Hey traders, David Frost, My Strategic Forecast. You're here for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. Today is Tuesday, March 16, 2021. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket today? We have a number of things on the docket. One in particular has to do with the numbers, kind of the numbers behind the numbers, the story behind the numbers. Where do the numbers come from? Why do we look at numbers? I'm gonna make some analogies and I'm gonna give you some things to think about. We'll do that a little bit later in the video. The first thing we're gonna do is take a look at the daily chart of the SPY and we're gonna think what's jumping off the page, if anything, at us. Is there anything material that we can take away from the market, the current state of the chart? And the answer is not really. So the market was basically grinding higher once again today, made a new high, not a closing high, not a big deal one way or the other. The market is basically in float mode, chop shop formation. What do we have on the docket this week? We have Kabuki Theater. What is Kabuki Theater? It's the Fed or the FOMC two-day meeting that culminates on Wednesday afternoon with an interest rate decision, some commentary, a press conference, the normal garden variety Fed-related activities. A lot of the time, leading up to the Fed announcement on Wednesday afternoon, the market goes into, we're waiting on the Fed mode. Today, we were in, we're waiting on the Fed mode. The market traded in between a few numbers. We'll talk about that when we go inside the numbers. But for the most part, there's nothing really jumping off the page on the daily chart. The trend is your friend until she dumps you. We know about that. Again, now we're all of a sudden getting a little bit far extended from home base. What's home base? Home base is the 20 period moving average. Why do we call it home base? Because the market never likes to get too far from home base. Think about it as a kid riding a bike or a kid playing outside. The kid is not going to get too far or shouldn't get too far from home base. Something else that we do notice when we look at the chart, whether we're looking at a weekly chart, a daily chart, it doesn't really matter. We have to be aware that the market is once again in melt-up mode. We recock the gun one more time. They're making new highs. It's in melt-up mode and we have to think to ourselves, where are they going? And again, we discussed some of this last night. In terms of price, we really don't know because they're in no man's land. The logical thing is they're going to achieve S&P 4000, SPY 400. Maybe they spike it by a bunch. Maybe they get to 4100 in this run. We don't know exactly where they're going to get to. What I can say is they'll probably go a lot farther than most of us believe that they actually can. That tends to be the case more often than not. We also talked last night about time. Time is more important than price. We're targeting the time period that falls right around the 24th or so, give or take, of this month, of March. That's the next potential turning point. Now, we don't know what's going to happen in and around that date, on and around that date. But what we do know is when we have an awareness that an important time period is approaching. We're on the lookout for signs and signal of a trend change. Okay, fair enough. What exactly is that? In the course, Lazy E-mini Trader, we go over several signs and signals of a trend change. 
the more you have, the more you begin to get what I like to call a full stack. When you have a full stack or you get an increasing stack, if you will, what happens is the odds that you're right increase, the odds that you're wrong decrease. So we don't have to know that the market's going to turn from a specific price or on a specific day. All we have to do is wait for the market to put in a turn. Why? Because that gives us something to trade against. When we have something to trade against, we know exactly where we're wrong, and we're generally able to be wrong small and fast if, in fact, we have to be wrong at all. What about inside the numbers? I said we were going to dig a little bit deep today in the numbers, inside the numbers, so bear with me as this particular story starts to unfold. You'll know it when you see it. It's Turnaround Tuesday. We're waking up flattish with Kabuki Theater on the mind. So this is the first thing you need to think about. What's the day ahead look like? Today begins the two-day FOMC, Federal Open Market Committee meeting. These have a tendency to suck the volatility out of the market until they're over. Waiting on the Fed. Awareness. This is the first thing you need to think about Tuesday morning. Zero dark 30. We're moving along. So what do we have in the early thoughts? Pretty simple from the get-go this morning. They're in no man's land. So any higher prices have no reference point. Lower ones do. Staying above the former high is the big number at present. 394.17 was the high, and we use an even 394 as a guideline. We're still setting the table in the pre-market. This is information, and think about this for a minute. This is part of a whole story that's going to unfold over the next few minutes. Information is information, but which information is the actual information that you should be listening to or watching. That's extremely important, isn't it? Hold that thought, we'll circle back to that. As long as they're above the highs, the band plays on, what if they flush the market at the open during one of the famous morning shakeout operations? Where is support under the numbers already discussed? 393.50, we didn't need it today, but you need to know ahead of the open, you need to know your numbers, just in case, what if they fall? What if they rally? What are the numbers? Where are they going? Why? What's the objective? Also, we're already discussing S&P 4000 and so on. Not that it was going to happen today, but you never know. So you've got to have something in the back of your mind. Closer price gets to the big fat round numbers, the more magnetic they become. They pull price in. All right, now we're moving along again. Start to pay attention because here's where the numbers start to unfold. Let's take a closer look at the SPY. They're pushing slightly higher into no man's land. We know there's not a lot we can do with that. Yesterday they had one of those end of the day ramps or jam sessions. We've discussed these before. In the last 10 to 15 minutes of the day, they went up from 395, give or take, to around 396.50. S&P handles-wise, that's about 15 handles. Okay, Captain Obvious, why is that important? Because there's nothing in between yesterday's close, 396.48 and 395, give or take. If they float, so be it. If they fall, there should be some action beginning around 395 and lower. This was the most recent breakout area. Now... Focus on that one more time. If they float, so be it. But if they fall, 395 and lower, 
it was the most recent breakout area. This early in the morning, the end lower comes in because you don't know what's going to happen after the open. Who knows? This is almost an hour before the bell rings. After the open, you have an idea what kind of market you're up against. You're able to read the tape in real time, or at least I'm reading the tape in real time. Real quick, you know, the routine, SPY five-minute chart, right at the vertical, today's activity. Guess what? Low of day, this was in the afternoon, but that was at 8.40 a.m. Low of day, 3.95, oh wait, it was the most recent breakout area. You do the same stuff over and over and over again. 9.30, the gap left open from yesterday is 3.96.48. That's the only thing that we needed to know about. Not that we were even going to do anything with it, but it was the only number below current price at the time that mattered. Back to the chart, 396.48. They finally filled the gap. They did it over lunchtime. Half the traders are gone, not paying attention. You got a garden variety bounce off the gap. Regardless of whether or not you did or didn't do anything with the information, you have to look at it and say, is this information valuable? Am I learning something? And am I getting information that I could take action on when there is actionable information? 940, buoyant, float mode, all that stuff. That's what was going on. By 10 o'clock, a couple of the trade opportunities hit, but not exactly the clean way. They were jerky around the number and likely caused many traders to abandon the trade. So it was one of those days. They're not getting to numbers, they get to the numbers after the fact. Market is slow, it's in chop shop formation. A little frustrating around the board. Mama said there would be days like this. We'll circle back to stocks on the move when we finish the commentary. And we're moving right along. By 10.05, chop shop formation. Again, 396.48 is the gap left open from yesterday. They'll likely run a test at some point sooner than later. Just saying. Well, they did that, and they generally do that. I'm not making this stuff up. It's what normally happens. Opportunity on X. And this was as a result of the same thing from yesterday. The market's quiet. The stocks on the move aren't doing the thing that we wanted to do. I'm looking for other stuff. X was a secondary deal on the board yesterday. It was a secondary deal on the board today. Now I'm going to show you why. And it's also going to curtail into the rest of that story. We'll circle back to it. First, let's run through the rest of the notes. We're moving along. Pause the video. Read the notes. Go back to the chart and double check the work. 1016. Here's another. AA. 2903. First price. Second price. 2852. 1025. Still looking for stuff like NCLH. 2956 if reached. Blah, blah, blah. In search of opportunity. Again, pause the video. Read the notes. Do the homework. We have some divergences out here today. We'll talk about those more when you get to those specific charts. We're moving along again. Here, we've got some commentary on when they filled the gap. I was not here at the time. 397.50 should be some overhead resistance if reached. After they filled the gap, they were not able to reach 397.50. They fell away. When they fell away, where did they come back to? They came back to the gap but they traded really below the gap for the most part. What did they do? They made a bearish, flaggish kind of formation, which says what? Which says they're building energy to run another leg lower. So where? 
395. We talked about this earlier. If they were failing at the gap, closing candles below the gap, just knowing what you know about closing candles below a gap, what would they be likely doing? Well, they would be headed lower. Okay, headed lower to where? Well, what's the next number on the board? 395. Where did they go? 395.08. That counts. The new low of day is 396.03 and is the gateway to a test of what? 395.20 to 395. Where did they go? 395.08. How you doing? Apples? How do you like them apples? From here, you can read the rest of the commentary. I hope you get the point. Pause the video. Double check the work. You're going to learn stuff. There's going to be opportunities that you can put right in your back pocket. Stocks on the move. We have Nikola hit its entry target. We have IMAX jump the target, hit another one. We have MAXR, Baba and Run show us open. They did not hit their price targets. They hit somebody else's number, not my number. We don't want the trade. Mara, M-A-R-A, hit its price objective. The last one did not. So we'll take a look at the charts of the ones that did. Plus, we'll look at the others that were posted after the fact during the market hours in the commentary. Here's Nikola. It kind of jerked around above the number, came into the number, had a nice rally away from the number. It did the deal. It gave a nice trade. Not a rocket ride, not a book the trip to Hawaii type of trade, but it was a nice scalp slash day trade. The numbers work. IMAX opened below the first number, so that's wiped off the board. The second number is active, and you can see what happened. It kind of did the deal just by the skin of its teeth, fell away again, rallied into the end of the day. This isn't what we're looking for. A, the numbers were, but we're looking for stuff cleaner than this. You take what the market gives you each and every day. M-A-R-A, -A, you can see what happened here jerked around getting to the first number, spiked it through by a little, turned immediately around, and did the deal. The high was just short of 41. I'm not minimizing that. Came back down, went through the second number, dripped into it. That's the reason you don't even want that trade. And you can see what happened at the end of the day. Closing price rallied back to close at 38.34 from an entry or suggested entry as a second target today, 38.30. These numbers are important. The market knows about these numbers, which brings me to the next point. This is U.S. Steel, and this was on the board yesterday as well. Yesterday, we took a trade from here. Not from here, but as a result of this. So this was a breakout, and the market did what? It came back to test a former breakout area. The market runs up. It consolidates, it vibrates, it eats time off the clock, it's whatever you want to call it, through this area here, runs up, comes back to run a test, or check in at the most recent breakout area. Happens over and over again, we discuss it every single night, fair enough. So here we are with a carbon copy of another spot that looks exactly like the spot from yesterday, right here. So is that another trade? And the answer is, Yes, it is. It's a gap, but that's not really the reason. It supports the reason. It begins to put in motion your full stack kind of properties about the tree. But it was really this concept of 
this was also another breakout area. So the market's going to come back to run a test. Okay, fair enough. Under normal garden variety market conditions, they're going to find support in and around that spot. Okay, that leads me to the next thing. This one missed by pennies. That's not the point. I think it missed by two cents. Here's the low, 21.10. Low in this candle, 21.11. Bounces away. So they didn't quite get to the gap. The number was 21.08. This gap, as I have it, happens to be 21.08. So I put the number on the gap. The gap got front run, so be it. Here's the thing. We talk about chart patterns. We talk about identifying, visually identifying, that a market or a chart, a stock, whatever it is, is coming back to test a former breakout area, or it's doing something different. It's doing something else. It's putting in a doji candle, or it's putting in an exhaustion candle, all that stuff. And we've programmed ourselves to think in pictures. That's why we use charts. We didn't program ourselves. We happen to think in pictures. Most of us do, but most of us stop there. We look at the charts, and then we look around for supporting information. Where we get that supporting information is very important and also very interesting. Some of us look for tips. Some of us are interested in what our neighbors are trading. Some of us are interested in what the news is saying. Some of us are interested in an earnings report. Some of us are interested in pure numbers, nothing more, nothing less. That's me, yours truly. Why is that? Because I have a different philosophy on what we're looking at. Here's the way I look at it. The market knows about numbers. And I've done this before, and this really accentuates the point that I'm trying to make. So take this area here, or this area here. The market ran up to a specific number, the last number, to the tick, to the penny, and then it was rejected, turned around and went back in the other direction. Same thing happened. Around the same number, but not the same number, but close to the same number. Ran up to that number, was rejected. Those two numbers, or that general area within a span of a number or two numbers, is important. It's undeniable. The market or the chart is telling us it's important. Don't stop there in thinking about the numbers. Understand that the chart is created as a result of the numbers being printed, being traded, being registered in the market. When you think about a web page, what you see on the web page is what the code behind the web page allows you to see. It's visually appealing to see the pictures on the web page, the colors, the text in a format that's easy to read. What's not easy to read is the code behind the web page. But that's where the rubber meets the road. Everything is in the code. The result of the code is what you see. The answers are in the code. You don't see the answers in the pictures. The answers are in the code. I'll say it like this, and then we're going to do something a little bit unique. Using this spot here, the market ran up to this area around 22 and a quarter. And then it basically spent a whole day or more than a day just running sideways but not really getting very far. So if we want to interpret that kind of behavior, right, it's his behavior. This is market behavior. They ran up to a number. The number was important enough to stop the market. They didn't get very far. They're beating on the number. They're beating on it, beating on it, beating on it, building energy to go higher. The market broke out from that spot, so it what? Came back to visit the same spot. 
but internal to the market, internal to the tape, they know about the number. Doesn't matter who, doesn't matter why. The number exists before you and I understand what the number is. You can reverse engineer a lot of the market. This is one of the main points. If you just watch the charts, 60 minute chart, 10 minute chart, five minute chart, 30 minute chart, doesn't matter. Watch the charts and watch what the market does when it gets to certain areas. Watch what it does around a gap. Watch what it does around one of these breakout areas. Watch what it does when it gets to a high or a low. What is a high or a low? A high or a low is an important pivot. Why is it important? We don't need to know why. We need to know that the market thought it was important. So that's what we need to know. It's important. Don't listen to what people say about the market, about a chart, about the news, about stock, about data, about economic data. Don't listen to what other people say. Watch what they do. Watch what the big players do. Watch what the market does. Now, we're going to do something a little bit unorthodox, but it's going to drive home the point using a different analogy. And here's the other point. Think about it like this. The big money was here. It was big money that stopped the market. It was big money that allowed the market to break out yet again. And it was big money that caught the falling knife or what appeared to be a falling knife. They were just coming back to check in at the former breakout area. The only way this happens is big money stops the fall. So you watch what they do. Look at the volume and when it spikes and when it quiets down. So we all know that YouTube serves us up videos. We have a home page, and based on our interests, they're going to serve us up videos they think we like. Some of you got this one because YouTube thinks you'll like it. I hope they're right. They served me one today that got me thinking about that whole conversation we just had. It was from the movie Billions, who a lot of us have watched Billions, it's a good movie about Wall Street, hedge funds, a little bit sinister, all that stuff. There was one piece in one episode. It's like a minute and 20 seconds long. They served it up to me today. I clicked on it, and it clicked. Give me a minute and 20 seconds. Let's play it, and I think it'll drive the point home. Now, hopefully... You were able to hear that. If you weren't, I'm going to link that video below this video so you can watch it. It's a minute, 20 seconds. It's worth the watch. The point is simple. It's about the numbers. And what he's telling you, Bobby Axelrod, is that you have to watch the right thing. In our case, you're watching where the money flow is. Where is it likely to be and why? We have the why component a lot of times which gives us the confidence level to take the trade. What's going on over in Camp IWM? Down there, $3.87, while the market, as measured by the S&P 500, was down like six points, less than two-tenths of one percent. The IWM is down over one and a half percent. My favorite market-leading indicator, we have no choice but to make this a puzzle piece and put it on the table. Now, there's always a flip side. What's the other side to this coin? What did we just talk about? Well, check it out. The market ran up to this spot here, and then it was rejected. Now, it ran up to this spot, 
But in order to do that, it broke out over above the former high. Where did it come back today? To check in at the former high. Didn't get too far above the former high, but did come back and pretty much close right around it nonetheless. You think it's important? Yeah, of course it is. The old high is 230.32, it's right here. 230.32. The closing price today is 230.50. It's not an accident nor a coincidence. How about another puzzle piece? What about the folks down at the transportation department? Another down day, just like the IWM, but we've got divergences on our hands. We didn't have a down day like this in the S&P 500. The NASDAQ was up. The NASDAQ composite finished up almost 12 points today. We don't have heavy volume, but we have a reversal day in terms of candles on the chart. So no, it's a puzzle piece, it's on the table. Not much we're gonna do with this at present. They're above all the moving averages. The trend is your friend, right? We know about that, but they were a little bit far from home base. When they get a little bit far from home base, you see what happens. They start to come back to home base where they go sideways for a while, allowing home base to creep up to price. The folks out in Silicon Valley, the Qs, they were up. They put in a nice pseudo-doji candle, but interestingly enough, where was the high today? Right around the high of this particular breakdown candle. We talked about that candle. We talked about these moving averages. We talked about the fact that they have to get above that candle to make anything material happen. They ran a test of it today. That's the first order of business. A lot of time, they don't get through on the first test. They're going to take the test again. We talked about this spot. They ran up to this spot. No surprises. How about the XLF? Second down day in a row. That's interesting. Again, still in an uptrend. Nothing materially wrong with this chart, but we're watching. It's a little tiny puzzle piece. Maybe it's not on the table yet. It's in the box top aside of the puzzle. Smash Mouth. Same routine as the Qs. They did close above the convergence of the moving averages. That's important. Above the moving averages, the trend is your friend, right? We know that. Above the moving averages is one thing. However, above here is a different story altogether. If they can battle back to close around or above 250, that's going to be interesting and important for Smash Mouth. That'll allow them to rerun a test around the highs. Tall order, they're not anywhere close now. Just saying. If I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you, without you, these videos are not possible. True and accurate information. We're going to pull the ripcord here today. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.